tip. Good afternoon. It is May 4th, 2021. You're listening to a little column A, little column B, hosted by Will Limnos and co-hosted by Zach Bishop. How are you doing today, buddy? What is going on, Will? A little 48-hour delay, but no worries. I have a breakfast topic for you. I know. It's one of your favorites. Tropicana, the orange juice company, they've decided they're looking to branch out a little bit. If you were an orange juice company, what do you think you might branch out into? Orange juice? I, it... Well, they already have the orange juice, but they're thinking, you know what we could also do? breakfast cereal. But not your traditional cereal. Not with milk. This is cereal that is designed, uh, you know, heavily in quotes there, to be used with orange juice. With so it complements it. Okay, okay. Let me let me walk through the process. Okay, you go to your cupboard. You grab the cereal out. You grab your bowl. You grab your spoon. You pour the cereal into the bowl. Okay, all this sounds regular. Then you go to your fridge. Oh, you reach past good old milk. Reach right past it. Grab the OJ. You then pour the orange juice into the bowl with the cereal already in it, and then you proceed to eat that the way you would eat regular cereal. This seems like madness right now. I truly think I would applaud an OJ that would just not taste terrible after brushing your teeth. There's something about that minty toothpaste thing that just ruins all flavors. That is more the direction I would try and master right there because this seems – is this really this much of an issue? Like are you were you wishing one day that this was like a thing that you just – you know, I, I really like milk. I really like cereal. There's a convenience to it. You know, it's 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 moderately affordable. It's you know, easy to make. Anyone can do it. But, you know, I, I just wish there was more milk flavors. I don't know if that's ever crossed my mind. Now, I am a bit of a special case here with some lactose issues. So milk has not always been my friend. Milk has never been my friend. Out of, out of all the kryptonites of these dairy products, I'd say whole milk is the number one destroyer of my just bodily function. Let's just call it that. Uh, so I see an attraction of that. I don't know if this is necessarily the healthier breakfast, though. Or like, well, What is the angle on this? We're we just trying to... Just push more orange juice. Like this seems like what they really want to tackle here is the volume that you use in milk is way higher than the volume you would probably drink with your orange juice. Do you think that's the angle? I think from a taste standpoint, this is not going to be good. Uh, maybe it's yeah. I'm old school. Milk goes with cereal. It tried and true, and just a whole other liquid. I just can't quite get past that. But from a guy that, you know, has to go to meetings all day, I love the idea of being a fly on the wall for the, okay, orange juice uh, sales are down. I don't know. People aren't going out. Like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And, all right, uh, you know, what if we made the, the, the packages smaller? Oh, no, I don't like that. What if we, like, charge more? No, no, I can't do that. Uh, right, what else? Some different juices. No, no, we're sticking to orange juice. Some guy in the corner raises his hand. Hey, what if uh, – Cereal with orange juice, so that way we can sell cereal and get people buying orange juice. I imagine they would go through so much more orange juice. Uh, but, you know, cereal is a deceiving meal I in general. I mean, it is aged very differently than I think we grew up on. I, I mean, there's Seinfeld has a bit where he talks about there was a point in time where you were just eating cookies and milk as cereal. Like, that was passable. It was it was just little little mini cookies where you was your cereal and you would pour milk on it and somehow this was a a breakfast that was provided to kids and children like this is an amazing era that no longer exists anymore that they're way more health conscious of this I I don't know if this is exactly going down that road but there's also something deceiving about cereal where I, I don't know how we managed to convince this many people to eat soggy crunchy things that are only crunchy for a second amount of time and then you got to eat at a certain pace and then like, like there's no delay on cereal. Right, like there has to be an expiration on this. Like it's it's shorter than fast food. Where if you don't eat the fast food hot, good luck because it it has a different flavor profile. So I, I think cereal is a very deceptive meal for those two reasons. And I don't know if orange juice is is <laughs> is solving that deception. If anything, I think it's highlighting it that they we've been getting kind of fooled for years now by by this milk industry that, that now orange juice feels like they, 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 they I, the fly of the wall thing is a good way to put it. I think that would be an interesting marketing scenario. But you know what? We we made it this far. Somebody pitched this and pitched this hard enough that we, we've gotten it to the point where there's there's actual action happening here. I, I don't know what the pitch was, but my guess is whoever sold them on that idea should be selling something else of way more relevance. Because if you were that good of a salesman, 
there's a higher ticket price that I think you can sell that would just benefit you in so many different ways. We're going to be so, so wrong, though, if this takes the, over uh, the world. I haven't got to the wrinkle yet. Oh, man. What's the wrinkle? So the wrinkle is they aren't just putting this out. You go to your grocery store, you buy it. It's going to be a giveaway. There's going to be specifics that are going to be unveiled on their Instagram page later this week. Do you actually win in this situation? Or is this just a, a gimmick on top of a gimmick? Look, we're talking about it. We weren't talking about it before. I don't know how they would have managed to break news that would get into the podcast, let alone get our attention. And they have done that. They have succeeded. This is this is all marketing is. See, people think marketing is it's just to get a discussion going. It, it isn't to get you to actually do anything, really. I mean, obviously, they want you to do that. But this is more than enough. If enough people talk about it, enough people will eventually buy it or have some sort of interest in it. And it's it sparked my interest. I don't think I'm going to go out and try it. But, you know, maybe maybe they go like that lactose direction where it's like, hey, you know, stay away from that milk. You know, you could uh, you go through some OJ here. <laughs> the website says, prepare your mind and cereal bowl, cereal bowl for an unforgettable breakfast experience. You know, it's always kind of assumed if you have an unforgettable vacation, you know, an unforgettable experience, it means it's awesome. You know what's also uh, unforgettable? Terrible things. I mean, I wasn't that opposed to colored ketchups. I mean, was, was that offensive? Was purple ketchup like that off? Like, this is kind of what I'm imagining, where you're just seeing this, this orange... Liquid. But the it, taste it, it, of that was the same, that's... and they don't sell it anymore. So clearly, it didn't work. Yeah, I I feel like they sold out of all the green ketchup they possibly could have made from the the Shrek era. I don't. I, I just think that had, that had an era that was it. What if this works though? Like, what if what if years down the road we're we're fortunate enough to have a family and, and some children, and we are serving them cereal, and we have opted for the healthier parent option of OJ. I don't think that's healthier. I, I don't know if it is either. I'm, not, I'm saying that as if it's like a fruit and it's supposedly you know, going to be because good enough. Because now, it, like, like milk definitely has sugar in it. But if you're, you're mentioning the sugary cereal, so unless we go away from su- sugary cereals, it's you're doubling up on the on the sugar. Yeah, you have to be. Because <laughs> I, I think that uh, orange juice sugar is different from soda sugar. But, I mean, I'm not a scientist. I couldn't tell you exactly how that works. Is there any cereal combination that you can think of that exists currently right now that would complement orange juice in any way? You're, you're a little bit more. Of a, to... You're more of a cereal advocate. I think you you eat a little bit more cereal than me because I, I just don't. I mean, I'll do the lactose not milk every long, now and then. Not in a long time. Uh, I'm trying to think. I, I, I would. I'm thinking maybe something along the lines of Fruity Pebbles or Fruit Loops, something that already has something fruity with it. Like, I'm not thinking you're going to want orange juice with Cocoa Puffs or Cocoa Pebbles, you know, that, that orange and chocolate. I don't think you want it with Cinnamon Toast Crunch or like or Reese's, Reese's Puffs, you know, that peanut butter chocolate. So nothing Captain Crunch related. You know, I suppose you got the uh, Wild Berry one there. I, I mean, those ones just like off, off the top of my head, but... Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think so. Now I talked about some conflicting issues with with cereal and the maybe the, the appetizing meal part and the concern of health and the pairing of it all. But are we we're not we're not putting pulp in this, right? Like this can't be. We're not eating pulpy cereal, are we? I mean, I, I'm pro pulp. I I enjoy pulp when I have orange juice, but I don't know if this is the the, the mouthfeel that you're really looking for. The picture has a picture of the of the cereal box and a picture of the Tropicana orange juice next to it and it is the original which uh, underneath it says no pulp but I would imagine it's on a case-to-case basis that's pretty uh, pretty widespread on the people that like pulp the people that don't like any pulp and then you know the kind of people people in the middle man we how much longer do you think we could spend talking about cereal and orange juice? I'm, I don't know. I thought we had a pretty good run. I thought uh, this is way overrun. Right? I mean, it was fine. It was okay till about like 10 seconds ago. But th- this is way, way too played out. Almost as played out as the NFL news of the offseason here. Should we should we go with the NFL? I just want to say real quickly, hey, by the way, the NFL draft happened. And I have no news, nothing to report. And I don't know if this is just a biased Patriot fan talking about how I don't know what to expect ever from Belichick. It just seems like we just scratch our head every draft and yet... 
somehow we're competitive every year. And it almost feels like we're competitive despite the interesting decisions, I'll say, throughout the draft we have continuously made, whether it's trading back or just drafting guys that are allegedly ranked way lower or just 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 drafting out of position constantly and who's just hoping that we get the patriot value in the patriot way and that it all just kind of adds up to you know another dynasty but the reality is, is i think i think teams like the jets had arguably a really good draft and i think we had another scratch your head draft and i don't know how it all plays out but i don't have a lot of good news to talk about the draft here i really don't think it was that exciting of a draft and i i think the nfl has dominated this offseason and this felt like kind of a missed opportunity on a day where I, I think they could have capitalized a little bit more storylines. I don't have any. Do you have any? Always love to hear that the Jets and the Giants had a great trade or a great draft. They they won the draft. You uh you ever go to a go to an arena or a stadium and see championship drafters up in the rafters? <laughs> Because I've been to a bunch of places and I've I've never seen that. I, I see Super Bowl Super Bowl banners hanging up there. I was at Gillette just the other day. I saw a whole bunch of them were up there. But I agree with you. I'm not nearly as plugged in on the uh, on the NFL draft as I would be with the with the NBA draft. You know, kind of the things that I were I was hearing is the uh, the uh, the was he the offensive lineman that we picked in the uh, in the first round, which you know, especially with uh, with football, it's kind of after the first couple of rounds. If you just get a guy that sticks around for a little bit or even makes the team, it's pretty good. So I don't get too you know bent out of shape about you know the, the picks later down. For sure, you can find a diamond in the rough, but it's it, it's unusual. Uh, but it's interesting that the talk is that we overreached to the point that there was a video of the Rams uh, front office laughing at us. Like they were doing some sort of live show, and when our pick got made, they laughed and said, "Oh wow, we watched all that film on them. Think we were gonna get them in the fourth round." And you know, Rams have definitely had their uh, success, but I feel like you don't know a lot of not a lot of football people laughing at Bill Belichick. So just be interested to see how that turns out. Always nervous with our next pick that we picked a wide receiver. We have not been we have not been successful at uh, drafting wide receivers, but. This kid's supposed to be really fast, and you know that always works for uh, for the Oakland Raiders. So how could that go wrong for us? There, there were there were some trades that went on, and it was it wasn't Vegas this year. That was different. I I, I didn't watch any of it. I, you know, generally there's something I'm excited for if I'm I'm expecting a big trade from a team, or there's a team that is kind of at a crossroads where it's like, well, do we go with quarterback or do we not do quarterback? And that well, that was the problem that this year there was no there was no premier quarterbacks, so. The, the the playoffs were on, so I'm watching. I'm watching the playoffs. So and, and instead of watching this, I mean, I'm keep, kind of keeping an eye on it. I want to see who the who the Patriots pick, but there was no, you know, Johnny Manziel. That you know, he's he's, he's slipping. He's slipping. Where's he going to go? Baker Mayfield or just guys from college? It's like, oh yeah, I I know that guy. Like I remember seeing him play this year. He just there there was no none of those guys this year. So I think that kind of takes away a little bit of that uh, that appeal, at least for me. Yeah, it, it, it's it's really embarrassing almost to say that it's not as entertaining without the quarterback when there's so many other positions on these football teams. And a lot of these other positions are, maybe aren't as you know media important, but they're very irrelevant. I think there's a lot of ways you can improve throughout the draft. It just might not get the, you know, you're not going to see it on first take the next day. It's kind of what, what I'll say. You know, you're going to see on first take that the Patriots do a lot of questionable things, which might not have anything to do with anything. I, I, I just don't know. How the bell, like how Belichick just knows so much more than all of us, or if he doesn't know anything at all. There's a weird divide here of of genius and crazy, and I I don't know if if he's like I don't know why he's he should be allowed to draft wide receivers. I I can't I can I can't give you one example. I was like you know what, really nailed that wide receiver. That that was a great example. I got there's not one of them, and and there is a need for it because we haven't got it right ever. To constantly draft a wide receiver, but I, I would just give up at this point. I, I look at all the ways these other guys are getting wide receivers, and I would just try and trade and beg and hope that we can pull something away from someone. I mean, I, the, we got the Miami guy. Um, was it Miami? Somebody from Miami was traded to us um, or left for us. Uh, I'm blanking on the name. Is it Parker? Oh, was it, was it, yeah. 
uh, Devontae? Yeah, because you, 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 you texted me that we got Devontae Adams, and I knew it wasn't Devontae Adams. I knew what you meant, but in the wrong situation, it could have been a, uh, a real mistake. No, I, I intentionally sent you that just because it was like, oh, Devontae was traded again. And it's like, oh, no, it's another Devontae. <laughs> this is kind yeah. of madness. That's just how madness has happened this whole NFL uh, offseason here. With, with all that being said, I still think the big news is the suspension from DeAndre Hopkins, who's going to be suspended for 10 games now for PEDs. I, I don't know where – who's making decisions for these people? Like, is this just a is this just a judgment gamble that you just said, you know what, we're just going to do this because I think my body needs this to recover, and I'm just going to risk it? Like, who who said this was okay? Like I, It seems like it was a conscious decision that they were willing to risk, and then it just didn't work out. I don't know how you like. Shouldn't you know everything that's going into your body at this point? Like, why risk all this? That's where we're we're not nearly as naive as we were fifteen, twenty years ago. I think that it was maybe Lance Armstrong is the kind of the tipping point where pre Lance Armstrong, if a guy came out and said adamantly, like, "Hey, I, I didn't do this." you were inclined to say, all right, well, you know, he wouldn't be this adamant if he was lying. But then Lance Armstrong went and was, you know, threatening reporters and, you know, went really all in on, hey, I am super clean. And then it turns out he very much was not. And so we've kind of seen since then almost the, the best route to go is to say, like, nope, nope, it wasn't me. And then it's just kind of on us to figure out. And it's almost more of a – how the media and how the general fans feel about you, whether they believe you or not. Because Hopkins came out and said, you know, I'm confused and shocked. He's like, I'm very mindful of what I put in my body and I've always taken a holistic approach. So I'm working with my team to investigate how this could have happened. And if you like DeAndre Hopkins, you go, oh man, the test was out to get him. Something weird. Rerun the test. Like this isn't fair. And if you don't like DeAndre Hopkins, you're snickering going like, yeah, sure. You know, we're going to investigate how this happened, how PEDs got in my system. And, you know, just jokingly is like pretty, pretty simple to know how PEDs got in your system. You, you put them there. Well, do you think he's going to benefit more at his age from the little PEDs that he allegedly did or did not take or the now 10 game vacation he receives? Like what's going to help him more? Well, not true. I didn't really think about that. You know, I, I feel like he did one to kind of prevent the other, and now he's ending up with both, and he probably just didn't have to do the first one. Could have just taken some time off if that's really all he needed. The other thing is, is, is I never understood guys, I, I don't know, do you think there's more pressure to do PEDs if you're a bigger name like Hopkins, or if you're a fringe guy who might get cut tomorrow, and if you don't show up or suck it up through this injury, your, your career's over. Like, I, I'm fascinated by guys like Hopkins like this, where they're really good players. I, I don't think he's ever failed the drug test, to my knowledge, before. I don't know why he felt the need to do this, to stay that competitive. I, I just feel like he's already got an edge on a lot of people. He doesn't need that more of an edge, but maybe that's just a lack of competitive nature inside me thinking that way, that it's just rational from my from my stance. But I, it just never seems worth it. The reputation alone is, is a loss that I don't think he could truly recover from. And I think a lot of people like DeAndre Hopkins, and this – kind of hangs over you like a shadow that you, you can't ever really shake and you never really get the truth of, and you, you're always going to wonder. So, like, I think that's the biggest loss of something like this is is you don't know what really happened. You just know this is the way it's going to be. I'd be shocked if the suspension changes at all. I, I don't see it getting turned around. I mean, when was the last time it was turned around? And we were like, oh, wow, really, really screwed that one up. And then even if it does, is, is that enough for you? To, to not question this at all like we just we just have to accept the truth at some point but it's there's no real evidence of that it, it's it's really kind of up to you like you said as as the you know as an audience to make a decision on it and i don't know i just don't know how it happens i'm always confused by that like if i'm if i'm these guys i got security i've got enough money to prevent situations like this from ever even kind of happening and if they do happen I'm kind of cleaning house. Everybody's out. I don't know how it happened, but it happened on your watch, their watch, his watch, everyone's watch. Can't happen. So I, it's it's a weird scenario. I also wonder how much the team knew about this prior and if some of the decisions they made before all of this are in any relation. 
they make the trade for was it was a Hollywood Brown earlier. Yeah. And I think some people were scratching their head both on the price tag of that as well as like what what do we need? Like I know we lost Kirk, but we're we're this is like really poor man's Kirk here, and it's kind of a similar price of Kirk. I don't know why we felt the need to do that, but now now that feels a little bit more justified now. Now now it's like, well, we we lost DeAndre Hopkins. We we gotta throw somebody out there. I just I would have made more of an effort to try and keep Kirk rather than do all of that. But maybe do you think there's any connection between any of this? There, there, there might be just because it was only a, only a few days before, so they may have had some 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 inside knowledge before the before the news broke. All right. Well, like you said, the playoffs are going on right now. Do you did you want to talk about any other NFL topics? I, I just felt that felt the need to. Uh, yeah, there was something that just came out uh, earlier today. Uh, the we we talked about it before that this year they were going to play a game in Germany for the first time. Uh, came out with the teams. It is going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Seattle Seahawks, and that will be on November thirteenth at nine thirty in the morning Eastern. I love it. It's a great starting time. I love the nine thirty start. It was so much better on the West Coast. No, no, there's no love for the East Coast down on any sports. It's it's a terrible way to enjoy it. It's so much better on the West Coast. So I, I'm a big fan of the early start. Let me just wake up and get it going. I'm I'm a little suspicious that. <laughs> I mean, we're we're wasting one of Tom's last games. We're sending him, sending him all the way out there. We can't like. Do you think they would have been? I just feel like we sent him a big prize item out there. That they would have been happy with just about anything. Right? We could could have sent him Miami and Cleveland, and they would be like, "Oh, cool! This is exciting." You know, Tyreek Hill, whatever. I was definitely surprised by that. Just the past few years, there's the London game. And, you know, there's a handful of them, but usually it's the Jacksonville Jaguars who have not been super successful the, the past couple of years. And so it's, okay, cool. There's football at 930. It doesn't matter what football, but we get some. But for them to be like, this is your game that we're giving you. This is the team. You're welcome. And maybe they're at the, well, I would love to go see a football game in person. I'll just take it. But then they got to be a little upset now to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. You've been sending the Jaguars over here all this time, and now Germany gets an opportunity, and they get the best football player of all time. Do you think they get him their first go? I also I gotta imagine some there gotta be some people uh, upset. I think if I'm the NFL, as much as I would have loved to send the greatest football player of all time over there, I think you have more to gain by maybe sending one of the most successful youngest guys out there so they could actually create a following. I mean, you're going to if you're you're familiar with who Brady is, I'm sure you'd love to go see the game, but wouldn't you rather see a guy that you might have an opportunity to see for the next 10 years? Although maybe maybe I'm making the mistake of thinking Brady's not going to play for 10 more years. Maybe this is yeah, right? the future of the NFL. Like this is this is the NFL being like, "No, no, he's good for like another 10. We we're not going to send out, you know, some young stud over there. Brady's Brady's going to outlast all of them." It's it's a uh, it's bound to happen. So, but I, I still think I would have went more in that direction. And I'm fascinated that they're willing to turn down a game. I mean, they're just going to make so much money off Brady this whole year. And it's not that they haven't before. It's just more of we know there's a limited amount of Brady games left, whether it's 10 seasons, one season, or half a season from this year. Who knows? It, it's, it just seems like they, they, they kind of uh, screwed one of the owners in the NFL of, of having an opportunity to host a game or play against them in a game to make a ton of money. And the fact that they granted that to another country for a game that you said is generally not nearly as watched, not nearly as cared about, and and they're going to care a little bit about this year. It just seems like a, a real big luxury. But, you know, good for them. Maybe this is what they need to really make this more of an international sport. Maybe you need to throw a big name out there and say, hey, we didn't play around this year. This, this might actually grow a real following because we sent a real player out there with an actual reputation. The good news for you is, in addition to the Germany game, there are going to be three London games this year, all of them starting at 9.30 a.m. Eastern. So next year, and they're all separate weekends. So you will have four weeks of games, like you said, that start on the East Coast right when you wake up. Yeah, now if only we could get the late games to start earlier, I'd, I'd be even happier. I don't I don't need early games to start any earlier. I'm, I'm all for it, but... I just want the late game to start at like four o'clock or not start at four o'clock, start at one o'clock. It's, it's so much better. Uh, yeah. Do you think there's a, a correlation to a success 
successful story of, of all these London games? Like, what's the, oh, look at this. This this happened, and it only happened because we kept sending teams over to London. This was totally worth it. Cash money, man. There's only so many Americans, and even if you get 100% of them watching football, it's the most in, in, uh, most popular sport in America. Until you start going international, you, you're you're capping yourself. You're capping yourself at millions of people, you know, hundreds of millions rather than billions. And I think you, you start, there's going to be a uh, an addition to Germany and London. There's going to be a game in Mexico. So I think it's just slowly you're, you're trying to get more of the world interested in football. So they could be consumers and they could be buying red zone and they could be buying tickets and they could be playing fantasy and buying TV deals. And that's the way that you continue to grow the league. I mean, just look at the, uh, the NBA, they got all sorts of international stars that are here right now. They're not, there are not that many in the NFL and you gotta, I think it helps if you have someone from your own country to, to, to root for that looks like you. So I, I think it's just purely, purely a money situation and how can we get more people watching and more more dollars I, I agree that it's an improvement on whether you only gain you know 10 fans per showing even if they sell out and it's like a, a one-off or i imagine it's almost like going to i don't like you went to motocross I, I don't know if that's something you would follow seasonally or you know throughout the the career it's like you go one time you have a lot of fun maybe you go again for one time mm-hmm. and uh, and Whatever that one time is, you gain whatever little bit that is, and it's more than you could have gained just doing everything over here. So I, I agree that there's an addition to that. But I feel like the long-term advantage of all this is you're hoping to eventually get, I think, some international players. Like That's where I think you could really create more of a following. I mean, look at just the MVP voting of the last couple of years. It's all international guys. It's Embiid. It's Jokic. Luka. I mean, these are huge international presence being not only in the league, but dominating the league and being actual effective players i don't know where in the nfl crosses that line or if that's the actual goal of it but i think you're gonna have a really hard time making this that much of an international sport without actual international players yeah it's still really a, a novelty at this point for for, for the nfl you, you'll have you know a soccer player that tries to become a kicker or you'll have a guy that was playing rugby that wants to make the the switch a couple, a couple other guys here and there, but they're, they're fun stories on on hard knocks. But there hasn't been, like you said, I mean, this year there are multiple, multiple all stars. I what is it? All three of the the MVP nominations, all all foreign born players. Yeah, I think, and I don't think that's the first time. I think if you go back the last couple of years, just the last five years alone, it's it's a lot of international guys being thrown in the mix, as as well as guys winning championships. Are, are being international guys are led by international players to some degree. And that's that's the one thing the NBA... It's funny listening back to a lot of these old documentaries, uh, especially the the Icons one with Jackie McMullen on the on the ringer. The the ambassadors of of of, uh, of the NBA, like every, every offseason, these guys would go to certain countries. They do, you know, little camps with kids or just something simple like that or a scrimmage against other, other teams just to show everyone... This is how it gets, how it's done, and it's really grown to the where there's leagues. I mean, you sent me a league today, the the, the Greek league. We've had players from the oh, Greek man. league. It's funny that I think there's, it's more commonly known as NBA guys that aren't good enough for the NBA now go play in this league, and that's kind of more <laughs> of the, what is what is being known for. But it has a huge following. I mean, you could see the passion between the fans. Of just that that game alone, this is just outrageous. Will, Will's calling it passion. They they brought fireworks into the place. Uh, that place might not exist anymore. It might have been burned to the ground. It might be a, a catastrophe. I, and you were worried about court storming. All right. Th this is amateur play I was over never there. worried about court storming. I'm always pro court storming. I'm always looking for the storm. I, I, well, the reason You're I don't the anti-fun one on the podcast. I'm not the anti-fun. All right. I'm not anti. Do I need to clarify this one more time for you that I'm not against court storming? I'm just against certain teams court storming. All right, there's a certain qualification where you shouldn't be ever considered an underdog. You should only court storm if you're a true underdog. And there's certain blue bloods that can never be considered an underdog. Duke could never court storm. There's no scenario in the world where Duke can court storm on any other team ever. They can only get court stormed on. Any other team that plays Duke, I could give an argument of, of maybe court storming unless you're, you know, Kentucky, Kansas, all, all these teams. You're not allowed to court storm. 
you can't. You're too good. You're too good of a basketball program. You don't get to be, you know, on the upper echelon of all this and have the advantage of being an underdog story. It doesn't doesn't go hand in hand. So that that's just to clarify that, Mr. Anti Fun. I'm just anti, you know, the favorites <laughs> having fun. I'm sorry, I'm rooting for the little man here, you know. So just go ahead, stick it to me. You know, I'm I'm not, I'm not really against all of it, but I. I, I just think that the NBA has truly mastered, in long story short here, making this an international game. Like, they have succeeded at it. I see results of it. We can talk about it. We just mentioned so many different reasons right now. And I wonder if for the NFL, how long that's going to take before we get anywhere near that. Because it feels like it happened fast. It happened in our lifetime in the NBA. And I don't think it's, like, a new thing either. I think, like, there's international guys. I mean, just going it's- back... Jordan documentary. We're talking about Ku coach. I mean, is there is there a Ku coach in the NFL right now? Like, is there anyone like that? It, it's it's tough because basketball is is a level above soccer. Where with soccer, you basically need no equipment. You know, you 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 have a ball and you don't even need a ball. You can kind of you know figure it out and you, any amount of guys you know you you could play with basketball. For a full lineup, you only need ten guys. That's really not that many, and you you do need the the, the goals, you need the hoops to put up, and you need you need a ball that bounces ideally. But you can kind of make do. Where with football, if you're looking to play actual football, that's that's twenty two guys. There are so many rules. And with basketball, you can kind of explain it pretty quickly. Well, the officiating you know, too. Hey, hey, you know, if you move the ball, you got to dribble it. You, you shoot it at the hoop. You know, you, you then fouls like, hey, you just can't, you can't be too, too rough. You know, it, it's easy to gauge. But with football, you know, it, it, it's going to take a while. You got to sit somebody down. There are just a lot, of, a lot of things going on, and depending on what position you're at, it, it, it's a lot. So I can easily see, you know, a kid just gravitating sort of towards these simpler, simpler sports. So it's going to take a little while. You're going to have to go to the game. You're going to have to maybe go more than once. You have to watch a bunch. It's just, it's going to take more. You're going to need way more equipment. I think the officiating is a big part of it too. Where basketball, you can kind of self officiate, and the game functions. There's games, play, there's yeah. basketball games played every day without officials, and they work. And there's a little bit, maybe the scoring and the two two and ones are a little bit different, and the fouls, you get the ball back, that's a little different. No free throws, but with the NFL, there is no pickup. There is no pickup football, all right. And if there is, it's it's just it's it's dangerous, right? This is you where can, this is where guys you get can hurt. Play, you can play two hand touch. But it's it's pretty much a different sport. It it very much is a completely different sport. But I, I think that's one thing holding it back. You mentioned the equipment of it. I think that's another thing holding it back. But the other thing is, is there's so many more positions, like you mentioned, that I think I just think that there's more athletes internationally that could just fill in and be linebackers or something like that. Like they're just big, strong, fast guys, and they just need to learn how to play. Like like athletic wise, I just think there's a lot more athletes out there that could fit a position. They just don't necessarily have the education think- or a way to get the experience. I think it's the same way that it works in uh, it works in the reverse in, in America. People outside of America look and go, "This country, first world country, huge, has all these resources, but cannot produce soccer players. Like, how is this possible?" And it's like, "Well, soccer's fine. A bunch of people like it, but it's not not the main sport." So I think it's just in reverse of why why am i gonna go play football like i'm gonna go play soccer or maybe maybe play basketball or do do some other things but like i'm not gonna try to do this football thing that i'm the only one in town that knows about or does anything like no there's no one else to talk to no one else understands the rules everyone just looks down upon it and just oh that's an american thing we we're not interested in that here so I, i think that's probably what it is last bit about this do you think it's the actual naming of it the actual english of calling it football that is holding it back so much because I think that truly has an effect on it where we have stolen a name of the most popular sport in the world, which is football and calling ours football. It's, it seems, it just seems like we're, we're, we're not, it just seems like a poor decision. The translation of it alone just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense in general of calling the sport that name. Is there any hope at all of ever calling this something else? And do you have an idea for what else to call it? Nah, we're not changing the name. It's American football. Everybody knows what it is. We're we're America. We kind of come in and we take stuff that we want, and that's what we did. Like we're not we're not gonna change. No, we're never gonna change. It's it doesn't make any sense though. It still bothers me to this day that that's that's what we're gonna call this. 
like we're just lack creativity. We we can't even make up our own name. You could have called it anything. We we why why football? It doesn't make any sense in the world. It's too, it's too late now. Well, speaking of what also doesn't make any sense in the world to me is yeah these the flagrant fouls in the NBA. It's an issue. We need to talk about it. We need to talk about that. And we might need to talk about fans again. I, I don't know if I want to talk about fans coming on court again or, or interrupting concerts or comedy shows and all that. But at some point, maybe we touch that. But for right now, flagrant fouls in the reviews of the NBA playoffs, I, I it's the only it's the only stoppage of game. Other than that, the games just kind of keep on flowing. And every now and then, there's a big hit. Somebody falls really hard. And in this case, last night, somebody gets hurt and is actually really hurt. And I think that's what we're trying to prevent. We're trying to prevent guys from getting hurt. Um, there's the Draymond one, and there's the Dylan Brooks from, one from last night. They both were ejections, and I'm not sure I'm going to really disagree with the, the ejection of, of either of them, but did you think one was worse than another? Uh, I thought last night's was worse. Is that because he got hurt and we know all that? No, I think it was that the the way that he got hit uh, Dylan Brooks had was chasing him down, had wound up, and the way he got him in, the, like, because I, I, I didn't even, I saw him kind of holding his arm, but on the plays, like, I didn't really see him see him hit, hit hit his arm. It was more that he got whacked in the head while he was in the air, and it's just kind of a, a double whammy. You get hit while you're in the air, it's not good. You get hit in the head, it's not good. And both of those happened. And that one, there was also speed at play. Both guys were going. I don't know if they're top speed but we're going it, 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 was, it wasn't casual where with the Draymond one it was still it was up in the air but it was just vertical not horizontal speed All right, now so the, that's just from from an optics now the Dylan Brooks one he's fouling Gary Payton Jr. He is a high-flying dunker. He is about to dunk all over your team again, which he has done a couple of times in the playoffs. And I guarantee you there was a discussion prior to that game, especially after the Draymond one, nobody is dunking on us. We're going to do everything possible to stop him. Now, I think there's a certain position when once a guy launches like that, you're really left with no other solution other than really hitting him like that because there's nothing to gain out of this unless you really stopped him. You're either going to get dunked on, you're going to give up a foul, he's still going to get get the momentum of all of it. The only way to kind of ruin all the momentum is to actually hit him like this. Now, I'm not advocating it. I'm just saying you've put yourself in a position where you don't really have another option of how to stop this guy. And the, the idea is don't put yourself in that position where a guy can just launch off for a dunk like this, and the only way you can stop him is by breaking his elbow and getting thrown out of the game. So I, I I see that as as one way of it's playoff basketball. No easy baskets. This is this is every everything matters. We got to set the tone. You know we can't have guys doing all that. And I don't know how much of a reputation really has to do with any of it. Draymond arguing about his reputation is the most ridiculous thing in the world for me. Where the way where the way he reacts after it, hooting and hollering, gets on the podcast later. Like he, he acts like he has no control of his reputation. Like, like he can't make himself look better or he can't make himself look good or bad or like he can't do anything about it. Like he's in a lot more control of this than, than anyone's than he's willing to give himself credit for. And, and I think the reputation he has, he's built himself. It's, it's not like the media has selected this guy as like a dirty player or anything like that. He puts himself in these situations. He knows exactly what he's doing. I'm not falling for any of it. And, and I don't know how much the reputation had to do with the actual ejection or if it was an actual just worthy flagrant foul like last night's was, but I, I just have no sympathy for Draymond. I, I think the only thing Draymond had going for him about that was the way everyone else reacted is they didn't seem like it was that detrimental of a play either because the, the way players react, I think, has a, a lot to do with all of this. You know, if, if there's a big pushing and shoving commotion with not even necessarily a fight, it draws a spotlight onto the, the contact made of this play, and now it's it's one thing led to another. Like, this was that hard of a hit that it led to two teams being upset. Well, we got to review all mm-hmm. this, and when you review it all at micro speed and all this, it's going to look terrible because there's a lot of big, fast, strong human beings flying throughout the air doing dangerous stuff that most people wish they could do but could never do, <laughs> going at each other, competing. And this is kind of what happened. So I don't know if this is playoff basketball at its best or if we're trying to you know clean up the game and we don't want dirty plays like this, but we also – 
I feel like we're upset for an era where players weren't necessarily competitive. They're being too buddy-buddy. You know, the LeBron James era where everybody's friends is kind of gone. He's not in the playoffs. We got guys going at each other. We got Steph Curry and John Morant telling each other after each game, this is going to be fun, knowing that they're coming for each other's throat every single game. And for me, that's that's really the end result of all this. I'm bummed when guys get thrown out because I want to see the best competition I could see. But I'm more excited that guys are willing to get thrown out because they want to win that bad. And I think that's that's really the brighter side of all of this. I don't think we need to go in and make new rules or, or you know, add to anything. The rules are the rules. If, if someone ends up getting suspended because you get more flagrance, just don't get more flagrance. you got to give up the basket and risk potentially losing the game or momentum or whatever it costs you at the time. But the rules are set before right now. I, I don't... Everyone is trying to say, well, we need to you know, add another flagrant in the middle of the playoffs or anything like that so Draymond doesn't get suspended again. That's ridiculous. The rules are the rules. We've got to play by these, right? Like, are you, are you for maybe adjusting any of these, or is this just the way it is? They, they already have two different flagrants. There's the flagrant one, and I, I don't know the, the exact wording of it, but it's pretty much, okay, you, you fouled them extra hard. You can't do that. That's worse than a common foul. But – you, you don't get ejected, and you have the flagrant two, which is a non-basketball play, and you're ejected for it. And neither of those plays were, were basketball plays. The one last night you can give a little bit more of an argument to. I, it's, I put it a little closer to the uh, the targeting rule in uh, in college football where, hey, I'm going 100 miles an hour. The receiver lowered his head as he was catching it. You know, I was trying to hit him square in the chest like you're supposed to. That's what happened. You know, Dylan Brooks could have that argument saying, hey, it was an honest attempt to try to block it. He was too fast. I got him in the head. I was aiming for the ball. But the Draymond one, he, he gets him in the, in, in the face. And then the, the, the main part of it was he grabs his jersey and pulls him to the ground. You were mentioning earlier saying there are tons of pickup basketball games happening where you officiate yourself. That both, for sure, the Draymond one, that starts a fight. If someone jumps up in the air and someone else use, it's not even close to a basketball play. Like, I, I just don't know why he thought that that was going to be fine. I think he realized immediately afterwards because he goes over, like he's right there, and be like, oh, and he knows I went too far. But you already, you already did it. You didn't go for the ball. You weren't even close. You grabbed a jersey. You dragged the guy to the ground. What, what do you think was going to happen? Yeah, that jersey rips in every other pickup game too because it's not a NBA stitched jersey. It's that that just rips. Yeah, <laughs> it, right? It's like, dude, look at look at look at my shirt. You've destroyed my shirt. Like what just just to maybe get a rebound? Like you didn't even get the rebound. Yeah, also in pickup it's just to prevent one point. One point. You know, to a meaningless pickup game. Yeah, so I I, I was fine with, with both ejections. I would prefer guys didn't get ejected, but not in a way of changing the rules. Just don't do stupid things. Don't make non-basketball plays. I'm all, all fine with the, you said, okay, like no easy layups. Well, that means play harder on defense. That doesn't mean once you get beat, just beating a guy in the head. Yeah. Like, I, if that's the case, I mean, it's similar to, to the NFL where it used to be, you know, you went over the middle, you were, you were, getting, you were getting knocked out. That's not how we play anymore. You know, this isn't the the 80s and 90s uh, NBA. You know, we got a guy hurt. It was, uh, like you said, it was Gary Payton the second. Okay, you know, he's a, he's a role player. But what if it had been Steph Curry? It literally impacts the series. And I think we got to be careful if this I, – I don't think that the Dylan Brooks was a uh, like a retaliation, some sort of baseball situation of, hey, you hit our guy, we're going to hit your guy. And going that way, but I no, he wasn't I trying to get dunked whole, on. He wasn't going to let Gary Payton dunk on this team. He, he saw it before. He's seen it happen. It's pro, it's going to happen again. I hope he's healthy. Eventually, you know, potentially comes back whether it's next season or not. Gary Payton's going to dunk over guys again. It, that that yeah. part of his game is not over. Yeah, he definitely he definitely is, and I yeah, I'm fine with trying to play harder, but it, it's it's up to a up to a point. And then it's okay. You're you're not playing basketball anymore. You you got beat and you tried to play football. Well, that's not allowed. If, if you want to go play football, you got to go play football. But you know what? We're playing basketball here tonight. You got to stay within the confines of a basketball game. Well, 
while we're on the topic of defense, we're going to talk some good things about the Celtics, and then we're going to talk some not-so-nice things about the Celtics. Some great defense, some excellent, excellent defense by Grant Williams and Al Horford yesterday. Just, I mean, it's been spectacular all playoffs. I mean, we could talk about some of the things that went wrong in game one. It really wasn't as bad as I think as it looked. It just, we didn't make shots. We seemed out of rhythm. I still think we're in trouble based on the way their offense was in the second half, but I, I have no I, – I could spend the next half hour talking about Grant Williams. I really could. And I don't know if I would have ever been able to say that in my life, but the impact he was having on both ends yesterday of just making smart basketball play after smart basketball play of master positioning both on defense and then finding the lanes and being open in the corners, it, it was really – it was really an impressive showing for a guy. I mean, I, I would, I, I'll, I'll say this. I'm that impressed by Grant Williams that I would hire Danny Ainge back like tomorrow. And I, I didn't, never had any problem with Danny Ainge or anything. I'm just saying, wow, this guy got this. He, he pulled this off. He saw this vision. I don't know if anyone else in the world ever thought this would be the vision of Grant Williams, but the stouty guy that just, his feet don't even leave the ground, but man, is he a solid wall. He needs a nickname. I want to do something with the wall in there. I don't know what it is. The Tennessee wall, is, is that is that a bad nickname? Like, what can we call this guy? Just country strong? Like, he is, he's worthy of a defensive nickname at this point. And I, I, I kind of want to – I almost want to call him Time Lord and take it away from Robert Williams because I'm not saying he's not worthy of a nickname, but Grant is worth, way more worthy of a nickname at this point. Well, I don't think you can just take one guy's nickname and give it to the other guy because that doesn't make any sense. I just bothered uh, for, the other for, guy's for got Grant. one. Uh, well, the problem is, is that it wasn't that long ago that he was somehow it came up in the the, the post media session, and he wanted to be called uh, Batman because I think it was something maybe it was going against Embiid, and Embiid said, "Oh no," because he was going against uh, Jokic. And like had like a, a decent game guarding uh, Jokic, so you know the Joker. So he's like, yeah, I want to be called Batman and Tatum and like some other guys. So he's like, I, I ain't calling Grant Williams no Batman. <laughs> so I think he's already like he's already kind of trying to get a uh, a nickname, and he can't force a nickname. It's it's just gonna happen if he keeps playing well. It'll it'll definitely happen. Now we don't have Marcus Smart last night, and yet somehow we managed to pull off a bigger victory without him. Our defense looked great. I, I do think the second half, man, our offense just we, – we're like on vacation. We're like, well, we're up 20. We're very laxed, very calm, and then it felt like we had to do these miracle plays just to keep a 20-point lead. And, you know, bravo on getting the lead. But if it's 0-0 at that second half, that's that's not a good half. That was not a good half for us. All right? They win the second half, and I feel like they kind of have more of the momentum going into the next game knowing – Man, if that game went on another quarter, I don't, I don't know if the Celtics win that game. And the thing is that for that next quarter is going to be in Milwaukee, the very first one. And this team's done it before. I feel like they they feel comfortable with some of the things that they're able to do. And the Celtics are so reliant on their three point shooting specifically that I just, man, I don't feel good about it. I don't feel good about it at all. It was a must win game. We did what we had to do, but I I do not feel good about this series going forward. I'm concerned about the shot selection from Tatum. I'm really concerned about Jalen Brown's hamstring. It feels like he can only play 20 minutes at a time, and then it takes him like another 30 minutes to get loose again after the halftime. So that's concerning. I, I don't know if Smart is actually going to be back or if he is back, that that's an impact player or if we're just playing a guy that's injured because he's he's Marcus Smart. We've we got to have him out there. I, I, I'm very concerned for the Celtics. Is there anything you could say to calm me down to be like, well, well, we can point at this. This is the good part. Well, you mentioned two injuries. Good thing is that we don't play again until Saturday. So not just one day rest, not two days rest. That is three full days of no games. So if these guys are close, that's uh, that's good news. Was definitely surprised that Smart didn't play. Just feels like he's a, you know an Iron Man that you know doesn't matter, but he definitely got banged up. I think one of the things that helped us was the threes that weren't dropping in the first game did in the second game. Grant Williams is one of the guys could definitely be more tricky for someone like Grant, a role player to be able to do that on the road. 
I don't know if that's more anecdotal or if there's actually facts on that, that that's that's the case that role players play better at home and worse worse on the road because especially if we don't have uh, smart we don't, we're not we're not a very very deep team but you said the second half didn't didn't go amazing that's because the first half went as best as it possibly could you know you're up by 25 on a team it's only understandable that you don't come out with quite the same same fire i would you know, we would love it but you, milwaukee is a, a legitimate team so they're just not going to let that happen so i think that if the game had been closer we would have played harder in the second half but you just get complacent when you have a, a 25-point lead. It wasn't just complacent. It was just stopping the offense altogether. It was we, with The ball movement in the first half was some of the best ball movement I've seen in the playoffs. It was fun. It was guys you know, cutting to the basket, driving to the basket, and then fighting, finding guys in the corner and swinging the extra pass and then swinging it again to the extra man. It's just really, really nice plays got, against a defense that's really good. Still, this team is a lot better than it was at the beginning of the year but it's got the same players it had at the beginning of the year. Some of them have changed, but still got some of the, well, you know what? We're up by 20. We did all the things. We built this lead. You know what? It's time for me to get a little bit of mine. I'd like to push my playoff career high. You know, I'd like to have my box score be a little better today. And you get a, you get a little, little selfish. I, I hope that's not a, a continual issue, but that, that's what was happening earlier in the year. Think how many leads we blew in the beginning of the year. When we were up by 25 at the half, that was not a, oh, we are set. I can turn this off. This was, okay, I really hope that we are this new team everyone's talking about and not that team from, from December. I'm concerned. It, it, to me, Milwaukee can perform that same – they can have that same performance and they're going to win most of these games just based on the shot selection. I'm so worried that we're this reliant on threes. Like, I understand – the analytics of it but I also understand that Giannis is going to get two points pretty easily every time and we're going to hope that we get three and miss some and it's going to somehow hope hopefully even out it just seems like a repeat performance is way easier for guys like Giannis and Drew Holiday who are just bodying you to the paint and just bot like I saw Drew Holiday body Al Horford for a couple layups yesterday and Horford is shutting down Giannis like Drew Holiday is a one-on-one guy there, there's some toughness to that I mean the, the spin moves and the, the the patience of getting the position and just forcing guys to either follow them or get layups, it just seems like winning basketball to me. And I don't think the Celtics have anything remotely as easy or as repeatable as that. I love Tatum. He's a great player. He is not the best player in the series. Giannis is not only the best player in the series, he's by far the best player in the league. The effort you get on both ends and the effectiveness. I mean, him in the, coming out of that second half, going for it. He really, he was really trying to make this comeback happen. You're down 25, and Giannis comes out. He hits, a, he hits a three. He hits a couple of jump shots. He's dunking. I, I just am constantly impressed by the effort of Giannis, and I don't know, I don't know how we're gonna counter it because, man, I feel like we knocked him down, and he doesn't seem that phased. He's getting right back up, and we better be ready. We better be ready the next game. I was interested in the start of the game when we were going real well. I, part of it, I think, was. I think he started 0 for 6. It, 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 he definitely started poorly, but he was taking a ton of – it was jump shots, and then not, not even just traditional jump shots where he's open. It, they were difficult turnaround fadeaway shots. And so I don't know if it was something he thought he had to do or if it was something our defense was forcing him to do. And, you know, hopefully we can continue to do that because when I see, uh, see Giannis going for uh, – turnaround mid baseline shot. Perfect. You, you're, you'll hit a couple of those for sure. Cause like you said, he, he's awesome, but that is way better than, you know, in the second half when it's, I'm going to uh, dribble crossover and then Euro step my way to, to a dunk. It just, you have that. How, how are we going to stop that every time? And he's like, okay, if he's not going to do it every time, cool. Like awesome. <laughs> let's, let's do something else. So I think, uh, I think we've we, we got, we definitely got hit in the mouth on Sunday. And I think some of that was yesterday. A little bit of, okay, th this, this series is going to be different. But you know what? We're not going to roll over. We're not going to cower. And I, I can't remember who, uh, who said it on, uh, on Twitter, but he, he mentioned both fan bases should actually feel uh, pretty good right now because we got smacked around on Sunday, kind of had the, you know what? Maybe they're just not going to cakewalk to the, to the finals and showed, hey, you know what? 
we, we, we can play with this team. We can dominate this team. We, we have to play to our best ability, but that's definitely doable. And the Bucks should be happy because they're going back home with a 1-1 split. It was a, it was a must-win game for, for the Seas. Uh, all right. <laughs> If, if that's how we're going to come out in must-win games, I like it. Just absolutely – what did we go up? Was it uh, – maybe it was 7-0, and then it was – did we get up to something 17-3, something like that? It was definitely – we jumped on them right from the beginning. They made a little bit of a push, and then the second quarter just said, no, nope, no, nope, we're just ending this now. I, I will give the Celtics the credit – this much credit is we we hadn't lost these playoffs. We we sweep Brooklyn despite you know some of those games feeling like they they could have all been potential losses. We, we yeah. I do think there's something healthy about getting a loss, and the only healthy thing about a loss is if you come back out the next game the way they did and respond. That's the only beneficial thing of a loss is you get punched in the mouth, you give out a better a bigger, a bigger harder punch, and we did that. So hopefully we can continue that momentum. I just man, I just know Milwaukee. Milwaukee's a tough out, man. I, this, even without Middleton, I'm telling you, these guys are going to come out swinging. And that home crowd over there, I wonder about guys like Connington and Grayson Allen, who have been actually really good throughout the playoffs, but did not play so well the last game. If they suddenly get a little bit more comfortable and are way more of an impact player, I just Wes Matthews did all these guys, uh, Javion Carter, all these guys did really, really good jobs. I thought one on one on Tatum. Now Tatum still got his. I'm not saying he had a bad game, but. The shots that they forced him to take in the second half, and I don't know if it's just Tatum playing with the lead or if it's actually them having a true impact on, on his shot selection because the defense is that tight. I, I just I worry so much about that, and I'm going to keep an eye on it. And it's 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 just it's a bad forecoming, if you ask me. I, I don't I don't I don't like where we're going with it. But uh, there are some other series going on right there. Despite my concerns about the Celtics, we have the 76ers and the Miami Heat, which is. Not that exciting of a series without Embiid. I mean, we could pick on Harden a little bit. I could go on for a Grant Williams rant about Maxi at this point because I have truly fallen in love with him as a player. I, I I would trade Harden for whatever. I the ironic part about this is I think Embiid, Simmons, and Maxi it's a pretty pretty good team actually. Like I think that works. I think that actually might work better. Obviously, without all the, the off the court issues stuff, I I think that would work better than Harden, Embiid, and and Maxi. But what we got right now is you got a Maxine Harden team, and, and I think Maxie's kind of taking the driver's seat a little bit. I don't know if he's ready for it, but they're they're not going to be able to they're not going to be able to compete against Miami. I think Miami's defense is is so so much more focused than them, and I don't know if the the, the combination of Harden and Doc Rivers just seems like a playoff disaster. But it's it it really is it's just you wouldn't add those two to the same cocktail if you know what I mean. Like that just doesn't make a good drink. <laughs> well, you're you're missing. Uh, MVP nomination. So you take the best player away from any team, they're going to struggle. But you take away one of the top three guys in the league this year, it's like, well, what, are you, what are you supposed to do? It, really unfortunate. He gets hit in the face at the end of the game against Toronto on Friday. Had no impact on the game. They were up by 20-plus. The game was over. There's like three minutes to go. Just super unfortunate. Somebody else I saw brought up how – Harden just keeps uh, getting snake bitten by uh, teammates getting hurt in the in the playoffs. Just you know, it's easy to blame him for for the problems he's definitely had them. But some of this of, well, yeah, he's going to lose this series, and you're going to look back and it gets chalked up as oh no, nope, couldn't make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. But if you actually go in and look at the the actual details, well, yeah, well, Harden Harden didn't play. Now, from what I last heard, he's for sure out game one and two. Which I mean, left the left the door open for for three and four when they're headed back to back to Philly. But I think that was just kind of more polite than than anything else. Uh, I'm I'm hoping game three we get Embiid with the with the mask. But I think even without without Lowry, who Lowry's not playing tonight, they're still going to be Miami's going to be able to take care of him uh, without much much problems. I, I'm sympathetic for Embiid at this point. Because I think early on there was some things you could point to of the player he could be and the player he was, whether it was shot selection or, or, or not dominating the boards or not playing as good a defense. I think he's kind of eliminated and silenced all the critics on a lot of that stuff. And to this point now, it's he's he's maxed out his capabilities, and the only way he's going to advance to certain conference finals and playoff games and get farther into you know championship contention 
is with a little bit more help around him. And I don't think that's anything to take away from him. I just, he's done everything he can. And to have an injury like this, it's just completely out of his control. Right, yeah. It's not, oh, well, you know, you didn't you didn't train hard enough in the offseason, you're out of shape, or you're not trying hard enough, or anything to do with that. It's He, he got whacked in the face. He, and he did all of that stuff you just said. He did it. He got healthy. He, he got in shape. He, he's He's been playing big minutes. He's been dominating on every phase of the, the game, whether it's defensive, offensive, dunking on people, being aggressive, not settling for stuff, getting to the free throw. He did all of it. And it just stinks that it's like, well, man, we were pushing you so hard for all this, and we don't really get to see the result of it all. And to me, that that's just a little disappointing. I just wanted to see him go at Miami as well, which I think Miami, man, I love Miami's defense. I'm a big Eric Spolster fan. I like Bam. But they don't really have an answer for Embiid. Like, what is their answer for him? Who's guarding Embiid on this team? It's, I just, I'm just a little disappointed. I'm just a little disappointed that we didn't get to see that. And if, even if we do get to see it, it's going to be Embiid with a orbital fracture and a mask on, down 0-2. It be so painful, man. Down 0-2. Your face, your face is broken. Down, down a potential 0-2 with James Harden, who I, I just... I, I, we don't need to. I don't want to. I don't have anything nice to say. Let's just move on with it. But I feel bad for Embiid. Is is really the long long all here? I I don't um I don't feel nearly as bad for Luca, even though his team his team he doesn't have a Maxi. He doesn't have a, a James Harden on his team, and and he also has some injury history. Is just of the last series. He looks all right, but I don't think they have enough firepower to truly uh, tackle on the Suns here. But the Suns. I feel like they're going to be limping into the finals, and whoever ends up crossing them is going to have an advantage again, where it's like, oh, the Suns were the best team in the West, but they weren't the best team in the finals, if you know what I mean. So I, I'll give Luka a fighting chance, but I don't really have a whole lot to talk about that series really either. Do you? Well, they start them late at night, so I try to watch as much as I can, but it seems like the that series is the, oh, okay, looks like I'm going to get to go to bed early tonight. Yeah, we gotta get Luca some help. Maybe maybe Luca and Embiid need to need to play together. I don't I don't know how we start that rumor, but this this is. A... I I'm all well, for it. Once once both of them are knocked out, then we can start the rumor. We can't start it now unless he's still playing. <laughs> tampering. Yeah, you're right. Tampering. I'm, I'm, we're gonna... Yeah, I don't I don't want to get fined. I don't make uh, the kind of money that uh, Draymond makes. <laughs> oh man, Draymond's a crazy man. Oh, what a wild! I can't believe he just went crazy like that. All that after the the game getting ejected, just. And then didn't let it go either. It wasn't like he just said, "All right, we'll on to the next game. We're on to Cincinnati." No, not at all. Not at all. We're we're, we're letting this go. We're we're gonna keep this momentum going. The one thing I will say that's really scary about this Golden State team, and I and I do think it's a loss of Gary Payton is losing an athlete like that because I think that's what Memphis really has the advantage on is they have athletes. They're young. They're fast. They jump high. And I thought somebody like Gary Payton was giving Golden State a very Memphis-like player. But there's just a luxury in having high draft picks be your role players. Like Otto Porter and Wiggins being your fourth and fifth options on some lineups while you have Poole, Thompson, and and, and Curry going off. Like that's that's just a luxury that most teams are, will never have. And I, I look at Embiid and Luka, the guys they're playing with. And these guys are playing with like former top five picks be the role players. Like that's just a dream to have. Uh, we got about two minutes here. Do you want to talk about some of the Clay Thompson struggles, or should we end it with something else? Uh, it was just it was small small sample size, but it was the last four minutes. I, I really watched uh, intensely the 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 Memphis Golden State game, and Josh scored the the final fifteen points. He said he got whacked in the eye, said he couldn't even see out of one eye, which is just puts him at even another level. But oh man, was was he awesome? And then. Clay got the ball. This is on back-to-back possessions, so it just really sticks out. And it seemed like he had enough uh, to get it off. Like the announcer kind of said, like, uh, I can't remember exactly the wording, but it seemed uh, like he had room and then missed it. Uh, It was an air ball. It was an air ball, and the announcer didn't say anything, but I think it got blocked. And either way, it's, well, that's not good. And then the next play, he got it on the other side, went to make a move, and he traveled. And it's just... You know, he's coming back. He's still trying to get back to that level, but it was just disappointing where it's not that long ago where either one of those shots is just you're more expecting it to go in than not, and it's two turnovers back-to-back. 
in a tight game that easily could have uh, you know make, makes one of two could have could have swung the swung the game. Do you dare have the conversation with Thompson of you know maybe maybe swing that one more to pull you know maybe just just one more. Do we have a conversation about that? Is, are we there yet? Uh, I think I'm trying to remember with the first one. The first one might have been the shot clock was going was going down, and maybe that's why he took it. You know, maybe might have forced it a little bit. And the second one, second one was just it was more of a college basketball uh, move. And even from more of the beginning of the season, when you go to, you know, fake to the left, and so you lift up your your foot, and then when you go to go the other way, you lift up your pivot foot before you start dribbling, and just. Like, almost like the game is going a little too fast for you. Well, I think that's something to keep an eye out for. I also am very excited for this next era. I saw a little Kaminga action there. I, this is Wiseman might come back to this team. Whew, watch out for that Golden State Warriors. I don't know if they're necessarily at full strength right now, but, man, that is a team to watch out for, just like kind of Memphis is right now. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more about all these series coming up next week. We'll be back on our Monday schedule, so thank you for holding up for Wednesday. <laughs> we'll be back. Little column A, little column B.